like, again, that approach of opening the doors and just saying, hey, what really inspires people about what we're doing? How can we be more impactful as a brand to you know, a potential client, to our clients, to those who just enjoy what we're doing and what we're putting out there? Um, you know, in my mind, there's always room to do more. Hi, I'm Nelson Murray, and this is Talking Squarely. In this series, we bring together independent business owners to have frank discussions and share their perspectives on some of the most pressing issues impacting their lives and livelihoods. As new health data and guidelines regarding the pandemic are being released throughout the country, independent businesses are left with the onus of adapting their marketing and communication strategies to relay their safety expectations to staff and customers. Today, we talk with three owners of distinctly different businesses about how pivoting their marketing efforts has impacted the way each of them do business. Well, I think it, as a medical practice, the patients, the consumers that are considering coming in, you know, we're able to you know, email, mark, uh, email them and let them know what we've done differently as far as you know, keeping them safe. That's Dr. Jonathan Kaplan, a plastic surgeon based in San Francisco. We didn't just start keeping things sterile in our in-office operating room. We didn't just start using hand sanitizer. You know, so like, and we are, you know, we're already wearing gowns and things during in the operating room. So that was a little bit of an easier sell, for lack of a better term, to the consumer. But we did want to let them know that the building was requiring masks, that they were going to have their temperature checked when they came in, that all of their paperwork would have to be filled out before they even got here. For Omar Kinnebrew, rethinking the business model for his Atlanta-based tailoring and custom suit store, Bespokature, was key to staying engaged with customers. We went to complete virtual interactions and, and fortunately, Bespokature was set up for our out-of-state and out-of-country clients to you know, work remotely and you know, provide swatches digitally or be prepared for a virtual measurement session or design consultation. Um, so, so we were good to go on that front. And then as the months trickled along and the, the economy you know, started to solidify a bit, um, we started, to, especially in Atlanta, we started to see a very relaxed or much more relaxed, uh, I guess, way of life in relation to the rest of the world as it pertained to the understanding of the virus and, and how we were engaging as far as stores and, and going out and, and engaging with people. Similar to Omar, Nicholas Pydick has had to continuously adapt his Michigan coffee business, Foster Coffee Company, based on the comfort level of his customers. It's different in each location. Um, we have one in a small town of 15,000. We have one in downtown Flint, and we have one in East Lansing, right across the street from MSU. Um, so there's some factors there that's hard to really tell. I think that that'll be our biggest challenge moving forward. There is navigating more, more college students and how to deal with the volume, uh, safely. Owasso almost, it's our hometown. It's where we started. Um, we saw very, very consistent, comfortable, uh, people were very, very comfortable coming in, um, throughout all of the changes of what was happening, um, and then in Flint, you know, we're very dependent on downtown uh, working traffic, people coming to downtown. So since that has partially come back, we've seen it, we've seen an uptick. So uh, it, it's hard to tell now. And I think we're just kind of thinking about what does the next wave, what are what's kind of the fall and winter going to look like. 
You've each touched on the fact that the pandemic is constantly changing the way that you conduct business and ensure the safety of your customers and employees, but just as important is the way that you communicate those changes and protocols. In your own words, how would you describe each of your approaches to marketing? What are your goals that you're trying to achieve in general? And, and what are some of the specific goals that are unique to this moment in time? Sure. I mean, so as a medical practice, as a plastic surgery practice, I mean, we obviously, it's about patient safety first. We are in the medical field, but we are also a business, you know, and we're operating on patients and doing other procedures. So we have to conduct our business in a way that obviously we're generating revenue so we can stay in business. But the overarching goal obviously is patient safety. So we just have to make sure that we're doing the right thing by the patient, but also uh, spending a little bit more money on safety measures, uh, you know, additional PPE or personal protective equipment. Uh, just to make sure that the staff, including the staff and the patients both feel comfortable. Yeah, I would say, you know, when it comes to marketing, much like Jonathan said, you know, safety is is obviously at the forefront, I think, of everybody's mind. And, you know, you kind of have these two, two scales, right? Safety and then uh, viability in some standpoints, um, just because, you know, operating safety Operating safely, I'm sure, as, as Dr. Kaplan knows, um, you know, with all the, the regulations that he has in a, in a medical field, so, do, so does coffee, so does food, you know. So we're already kind of aware of this sense of, you know, health inspections and making sure that we're, we're, we're keeping the forefront of our customer safety in mind. For us, you know, it's just making sure that we are navigating the safety of our staff and the safety of our customers um, and, and really overcoming the, the perceptions with whether it's masks or coming in, you know, do we have gloves on? It's really just, it's making sure that we're keeping in mind what we actually need to be doing from the government standpoint, and then what our customers are expecting of us, what they're reading. And those two worlds don't always match. And then they're constantly shifting. Both of them are. So it's kind of like a pivot here. Executive order says this. A customer is nervous about this or a group of customers is concerned about this that maybe, you know, the, the government doesn't really care too much about and then everything changes. So it's kind of like this moving domino checkers chess game all rolled into one. Omar, from your point of view, how maybe have your attempts to market your business and your product offering to your customers, how have they those things changed as the perceptions about people's health risk, your own assessment of health risk have changed over the course of the summer? I first have to figure out how to ensure that custom as an offering is still relevant to our audience in a time in which majority of individuals are staying at home and they're not meeting face-to-face -face, or even if they're on a Zoom or Skype call, they are in a t-shirt or very much dressed down or with clients who's weddings have been canceled or rescheduled to next year, you know, how to reposition bespoke in a light that says, hey, customer still relevant, you know, feel comfortable in investing your money and looking fantastic. And then after getting over that hurdle, then we get to the point where, you know, have the conversation of ensuring the clients that we're taking the proper measures because their safety is first, you know, and not just their safety, but my safety as well. I wanted to stay with this notion of tone for a moment. Have the, has the way that you've interacted with your customers outwardly, whether that's uh, on social channels like Instagram or Facebook, or potentially even the copy that ends up getting posted to a website, 
Has the tone of that messaging changed as it relates to public safety messaging? We've always really communicated via social media, Snapchat and Instagram. We show our surgery on those on those uh, mediums with the patient's uh, permission, of course. We should actually show the operation so they can get an educational point of view. But one of the things that I've noticed that other practices have talked about shying away from is not running specials during the coronavirus and like not showing a lot of you know Botox specials and things like that just because I felt like that was the wrong tone to be uh, setting with the uh, audience. We really never uh, do any specials or anything like that, so that wasn't really an issue for us. But we still connect with the patients with our email marketing. You know, we we generate a lot of leads through patients checking pricing on our services. You know, everybody always wants to know how much a cosmetic procedure costs. So they go to our website and they can check pricing through our price estimator, but only after they provide their contact information. And then we just passively build this huge email database. And then that's how we're able to communicate with them, letting them know about the things that we're doing that are a little bit different here in the office so that they do feel comfortable coming in if they choose not to do a telehealth consult. Nicholas, you've taken a very personal and kind of humanistic tone to your messaging to your customers. Can you talk about that and and how you decided to land on that specific tone of voice? Yeah, customers are you know, for, for every business, the lifeblood of, of what keeps us open. And so we've positioned ourselves as kind of a community sounding board. I've heard it said that, you know, kind of the window into a community are the bartenders, the baristas and the barbers, you know, they're, they're the ones hearing stories from people. And, you know, while you're standing there waiting for your drink to get made, we still get that face-to-face interaction because people are, are, are still coming in. But the tone we took is just really trying to bring the empathetic side to it, which isn't just, hey, these are all the mandates or these are all the efforts that we're taking to protect you, but is to kind of shift that perspective and and almost through the eyes of them. How has your experience changed, but not at the same time? Like there may be some differences of how you approach, how you order, but we're still bringing that foster experience. There's still more than a transactional. You, you pressed a couple of buttons, um, ordered your drink and picked it up and, and went. How do we keep that humanistic approach with, with a mask? You know, we, we talk a lot about the Moravian theory from a hospitality standpoint of what you communicate um, is more significantly with your body language and your tone than it is with the words that you actually say. Right. Well, you know, Dr. Kaplan mentioned that you you utilize platforms like Instagram to kind of demystify uh, what it is that you offer in terms of plastic surgery services. I'm curious to hear from Nicholas and Omar. Maybe Omar, you could start. What channels do you use to communicate with your customers through um, through social channels, your own website? What channels specifically, and how do you utilize them to get messages across to your customers? So. You know, before the pandemic, as you'd imagine, our goal was to reach customers on all planes, whether that be on social, organic and paid via website and a very well baked out SEO approach. And then in person, either through events um, that we're putting on hosting, sponsoring, uh, participating in or for setting up at Bridal Expos with our booth and, and engaging with folks in that manner. Um, of course, with the pandemic, we scaled down that 
that interaction because a lot of events have been canceled. You're not going out to various events. Um, and so what we've done is just double down on social media and our website usage. So Instagram and Facebook, of course, and, and Pinterest are huge for businesses in my industry because it's so aesthetically driven. You know, majority of the the interactions and, you know, with uh, potential clients reaching out, they see something that just you know, captivates them. They see a look that they just have to have. And so that will spark enough interest for them to engage, reach out, request more information, pricing process, you name it. And then there's a call to action. And then with our website, I try to make it as simplistic as possible where, again, that visual, it, it hits you. You're automatically captivated. Um, you love the looks, and there's one, one, and one thing, and only one thing to do, and that's schedule a consultation. One of the 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 other big shifts that uh, just even as it relates to social media is really utilizing the direct to shopping component on Instagram. Um, I know there's been some recent updates to Instagram that have really helped streamline that process for us is whereas before a lot of people were, you know, looking at our products online, um, you know, more, more, I'm talking more specifically about drinks and, and baked goods, things like that. And a big shift for us was now making those within a matter of one or two clicks, you could actually purchase that drink or you could purchase that baked goods, see the exact quantity of those baked goods in that location. And so if you did just want to come in and pick it up, you could do that. How have each of your approaches to marketing, your tactics changed since before the pandemic? A big big component of what we've tried to do is just update kind of the intermediate intermediary platforms and that'd be like Google listings and Yelp listings and just making sure that we do have act and maps connect, you know, um, when people are using their, their devices to make sure that our hours are updated, that we're communicating, like we're still open because sometimes they're, you, you know, they're not even getting to the actual, the, the website first, they're, they're Googling who you are, are you open? Um, and that's always kind of a tricky thing to navigate. Um, having a dedicated COVID-19 as like our landing page, like you, you see that first when you came, when you come to our website, what our hours are, how can you order, what store are you looking for? That's, that's been a huge push for us is just to, to kind of funnel people through um, the most important information we can get to them. Just like Nicholas said, that's one of the first things we did is we changed our website so that when you land on our, our page, there's like three big buttons. One is to you know, get a quote, you know, that was always there, you know, check pricing, but then also, you know, uh, book online for a virtual consult. That was one big button that changed as opposed to coming in for in-person consults. And then the third big button that we added was find a testing center near you because all of the patients that come in for surgery, we require them to get tested first. And in the morning of surgery, we uh, do an antibody test here in the office, a rapid antibody test. So that absolutely changed right off the bat. The first thing the patient sees was, you know, links to go where they can go to get tested. You know, even if they're not coming in to get surgery, we'll still encourage people to go get tested. And then also how to do virtual consults. So that was definitely a big thing. Obviously, each of you are doing your best to incentivize your customers to return to your business or to continue to, to come in and, and be patrons of your companies. Have you ever found yourself running into a conflict of trying to drive the business forward, but being somewhat hesitant about the risks to your own personal health and safety? We did initially, and you know our language and our tone 
you know, we were very forthright and we just said, you know, we, we don't have a team of lawyers. We don't have a, 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 a staffed HR department where all they're doing is thinking about COVID and safety and protocols. Um, we said we are doing the best that we can with the information that's given to us. And so give us your feedback. You know, that's that's our that's our mantra anyways with the feedback loop of how we run our company is, you know, if customers are asking for something, we can and we can pivot. It's not outside of what we feel like we're called to do as a company. And we, then we can do that. Back when masks were just um, uh, suggested or they weren't necessarily mandatory um, from a customer side, you know, we put that language in there. And so uh, customers would come in and we're like, hey, we're uncomfortable with this. So we just made it mandatory for our staff internally before, you know, an executive order came out. If you were to go be able to go back to maybe February or March, what would each of you have done differently as it relates to marketing to your customers or even the kinds of messaging that you think would be more effective? I would say probably doing more videos. Um, my business partner, John, and I put out a video the day uh, we had to decide to close two of our locations. And um, we got so much engagement and positive feedback um, from that one video. And and again, just coming back to the human element, I think people resonated with being able to see the human beings behind the company and got to see us. And we just got to, they got to see our face and like, you know, kind of the despair of letting 35 of our employees go because we had to close down. You know, I, I like the idea of, you know, Nicholas and their approach to really gaining that customer buy-in you know, opening the floodgates and, and asking for the open and honest feedback. You know, I think the media approach, uh, you know, with Bespoke would have been similar, but as far as what we're doing now, but moving forward, I like, again, that approach of opening the doors and just saying, like, hey, what really inspires people about what we're doing? You know, how can we be more impactful as a brand to, you know, a potential client, to our clients, to those who just enjoy what we're doing and what we're putting out there? Um, you know, in my mind, there's always room to do more. And Nicholas mentioned video and oh, absolutely, you know, we want to do more video, we want to have, you know, more, uh, more high quality content. I mean, just want more and more and more because, you know, people will absorb it. They will eat it up. They love it. They will take everything you give them. And as long as, again, it's, it's true to either your brand's mission, your brand's statement approach, and your offering. Dr. Kaplan, you've been utilizing video for, for some time, video and photography. Is there anything that you have tweaked in recent months uh, to try to meet your customers' expectations uh, regarding public health? Uh, or would you kind of not change anything about your approach? No, I think that we've done some things right for sure. And Nicholas gives me uh, additional ideas. I mean, one of the things we were doing differently is that, you know, we would show people how we did the, that when we were doing the operation, like what the different steps of the operation were just so they could know for their own uh, edification in case they were ever considering getting that procedure. But one of the things that I did that I hadn't done before, is, or maybe I didn't have a reason to do before, is that when we started doing these antibody tests the morning of surgery, I uh, put out a couple IGTVs on how the antibody tests work, like the science behind them, like what antibodies are you looking for, you know, which which antibodies mean that you've, you're currently infected, which antibodies suggest that you're, you've got immunity. So I got more into that detail, that um, scientific 
information that maybe I hadn't really visited since medical school. And so that was kind of uh, kind of good to get back into that and educate the public on that. But one of the things that Nicholas mentioned that made me realize that this we should be doing more of is the processes, you know, people, you know, what's the experience when the consumer comes in, you know, how we check their temperature and things like that. And, you know, we, we took a group photo of our office today with all of us wearing masks. I mean, those are things we probably should have been doing earlier. Well, we do know that marketing can be an incredibly daunting task, especially for newer independent businesses. So we sincerely appreciate the three of you sharing your perspectives, your reflections, your advice with our listeners today. So thank you all very much. Thanks for having us. A special thanks to Nicholas, Omar, and Dr. Kaplan for their time and insights. Foster Coffee Company has locations in Owoso, Flint, and East Lansing, Michigan. You can find them online at fostercoffee.co. Bespokature is located in Atlanta. You can follow them at Bespokature, that's B-E-S-P-O-K-U-T-U-R-E, on all social channels. Dr. Kaplan's Plastic Surgery Office, Pacific Heights Plastic Surgery, is located in San Francisco. Learn more about his procedures at PacificHeightsPlasticSurgery.com. You can also follow him on Instagram at RealDrBay. That's B-A-E. You've been listening to Talking Squarely, a Square production. This episode was produced by Mallory Russell, Cindy Lewis, Caitlin Kiefer, Evan Grohl, John Scarpinato, and Travis Gonzalez. Our music was composed by Jordan Wallace with sound recording by Sorrentino Media and Jamie Cohen. I'm Nelson Murray. Thanks for listening. The views and opinions expressed in Talking Squarely are those of our guests and do not reflect the official policy or position of Square.